sorry I don't love you A fresh I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right I wish you could be happy Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsor. Support for this podcast comes from Justin Maybe Design. Are you sick of your current website? Is it outdated? Does it need a facelift? Maybe you just wish it worked better. My website was recently redesigned by Justin Maybe Design, and in just a matter of hours, they took my website and made it so much easier to navigate and control with full website builds search engine optimization, and a focus on training for all clients, Justin Maybe Design is ready to make your online presence the best it can possibly be. You'll never feel out of the loop ever again. Justin uses Squarespace to create all of his designs. There are no patches or plugins to update, and you never have to worry about making sure your website works correctly. Plus, there are always tutorials and 24-7... Plus, there are always tutorials and 24-7 support if you ever get stuck. Interested in a website redesign or building your own website from the ground up, check out justinmaybe.com for a full line of training resources, pricing for full builds, and a blog with tips and tricks to get the most out of your Squarespace site. If you mention this ad, you'll get 20% off your first year of hosting. Again, that's justinmaybe.com and his last name is spelled M-A-B-E-E. There will be a link in the show notes. So you can just go ahead and click on that and mention this podcast. And again, you'll get that 20% off for your first year of hosting. And now we are going to go on to today's topic. We're talking all about Thor Ragnarok today with Mike Comite. He joined us previously to talk about Captain America Civil War. So we're keeping with the Marvel theme here. Mike, how are you doing? I am doing fine, and I'm so honored that you asked me to come back so soon. <laughs> well, you know, I had two people who wanted to talk about Thor Ragnarok, and then they ended up being busy and for whatever reason didn't end up coming on for the podcast. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to invite Mike on. I know he will talk about Thor all day, even you know <laughs> the first two movies, which we'll probably get into that in a little bit. But I want to just start with the fact that this Thor movie felt a lot different than previous times that we have seen Thor even in you know like the Avengers and his appearances in other movies I guess it is just the Avengers that I don't know there's so many movies I cannot keep track anymore <laughs> yeah no I, I totally feel that like I think we're just watching any like bonus featurette or any interview with the director Taika Waititi he kind of said from the outset that this was going like one of the producers or I guess, I don't know, maybe you could just say Marvel's goals in general for this installment of Thor was to get um, to really showcase Chris Hemsworth's um, comedic like skills, I guess. You know, I mean, he's got moments in the other movies, even in Avengers one and two. And Thor 1 and 2 even, like as stiff as those movies could be in spots, like there was humor involved in them. And this movie, that was their specific goal, was to make him more likable, I guess, more funny. And I think that carried over into Infinity War, which we'll, we'll hopefully discuss later. But yeah. Yeah, we definitely will touch on Infinity War because of where this movie ends. But there was a good amount of physical comedy in this too. And one of the moments that stands out is the get help scene where he oh, just yeah. throws Loki into a bunch of 
like I guess guards and and they go to you know steal the grandmastership and everything like that but it's just one of those moments where you're like okay this is the kind of comedy that you can really get behind with a movie like this yeah I think I think the director he really I think that's why they approach this guy you know Taika he's you know famous for comedy mostly um did you see any of his other flicks before this one I did not. I think this was my first exposure to him. He um he did this uh movie What We Do in the Dark or something like that about the vampires. It was like a documentary about vampires, like a, a mockumentary about vampires that just live in New Zealand. Um and it's it just it's hilarious and Boy was like a kind of like a dramedy that he did like a Napoleon Dynamite style thing. And and that's I think why Marvel approached him uh, along with a few other comedy uh geared directors to to make this film um yeah like the, the and the physical comedy definitely shines in this one i think more so than in the previous films he even put himself in the movie as the voice of Korg, i believe too right yeah he was also in addition to that he he um he you might not remember this he was he was like one of the three he was, there's just there's this three-headed alien that was off to the side um, during a lot of those like breakout scenes um, and like the Ragnarok scenes, I'm sorry, and the 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 um, revolution scenes like okay. that they're the, they're doing. Um, and so there was, yeah, he's the right head of the three headed alien in that. Okay, I did not catch that, but when I was going through the IMDb page, I was like, oh, that's whose voice that was because I was like, who is voicing this character? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you hear a New Zealand voice in in uh, a Taika Waititi movie, you got to assume it's himself. Yeah, and it added a lot to the character, too, because, you know, he's this big thing made of rocks, and he has this soft-spoken voice, and it was just such a contrast that you couldn't help but laugh, sort of, the first time you heard Quirk speak. Yeah, he said he wanted to capture this weird, like, uh, I think it, it, Taika's commentary was that he wanted to have a, a like a polynesian bouncer feel to it so like these big massive you know poly polynesian dudes that are just like really soft-spoken and sweet and, and gentle when you actually talk to them but they look very tough and menacing um so i think he definitely he definitely made that work absolutely and one of the main things that i want to talk about overall is just the pace of this movie because when i was watching it I think I was about halfway through it and I literally felt like I had only been sitting on the couch for like 20 minutes. And I was like, wow, this is moving very quickly. And it felt like they spent enough time on Sakaar and on Asgard and switching between the two storylines before they came together for the finale. Yeah, it was really, I was surprised by the ability to like jump between those two settings and, and actually make it like a captivating narrative i think a lot of criticism that i read for this movie or that i listened to in various podcast reviews was that they wish that the whole movie had been on sakar or something like that that everything had happened there and i think that's more like um asgard fatigue <laughs> than anything else um i don't necessarily agree with that take but it's just one I, I heard and you know gave some consideration to when i was uh, evaluating this movie myself <laughs> Yeah, I think, too, part of the reason for that might be just the fact that they were pulling a lot from Planet Hulk for this storyline, and that's that comic takes place entirely on Sakaar, pretty much, until we get 
I believe, towards the end of it. And, you know, that's where the Hulk comes in for this movie. And, you know, in my opinion, this is sort of the best Hulk movie, (laughs) even though it's not really a Hulk movie, just because they were really able to capture the essence of the Hulk. And we see Banner losing so much time as the Hulk. I believe it was what, two years where he was the Hulk and wasn't able to turn back into Bruce Banner? That's what Thor says to him, yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody who would disagree with you that this is the the best Thor movie. <laughs> it's it's totally true. You mean Hulk? <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Well, well and also Thor the movie, best I guess Thor too, movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean maybe there's some diehard Thor Dark World out there person, you know, like who really loves that one. But no, Hulk, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> All good. Both were correct opinions. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's just interesting because you have these two characters who haven't really spent all that much time together. You know, when we see Bruce Banner, he's off with Tony Stark a lot because they have this same sort of mindset and intellect. So they go off and do their own little experiments and everything like that in the Avengers movies. And then with the Hulk, he's either off on his own smashing things or with Black Widow, it seems. So to have these two have such great chemistry for this movie, too, was really impressive. Yeah, I I agree. I think, yeah, based on the Avengers 1, they definitely had that that duke it out session on the helicarrier. That was kind of like a big defining moment for their relationship. Although I don't think you could read too much into it at the time because everybody was trying to stop Bruce on that thing from taking it down. But it was definitely like a contest of champions on the, on that helicopter uh, on the helicarrier. Um, and also, I think you remember from our Civil War episode. I, we probably didn't discuss it, but. Um, when, what's his name, General, the, the antagonist to Hulk, General something or other. Um, oh, it's a, wait, he has the same last name as Martin Freeman's character in uh, his character. What was it? Martin Freeman's character in Black Panther? I forget. It's like General something or other. And then the sa- guy with the same last name is the General in Hulk and Lee or something like that. Um, I forget. We can, we can look it up later. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, the gen- the antagonist from the Hulk movies says to uh, says to Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War, he says like, "Do you know where Thor and Banner are right now?" And you know the response at the time is, "No, I have no idea." And then you know after Ragnarok comes out, like, "Oh, this is what they were doing during Civil War. I get it now." Yeah, we definitely see a lot of character progression too with the Hulk. And is it General Ross that you're thinking of? General Ross, yes, that's the one. Okay, had had to look it up because I my mind totally went blank. I was like, I know exactly who you're talking about. Do not have any clue what the last name was. Yeah, and then Everett K. Ross is the bad guy in oh not not the bad guy. I guess he's in Black Panther. He's, yeah, he's Martin Martin Freeman's character. Yeah, he's um, more like the outsider in that. <laughs> right, but why they give? It's so funny they give two people the same last name in this in this cinematic universe. I mean, I guess it's not unheard of. You know, plenty of people have the same last name, but they're both like government type people, Americans that are sort of opposed to our heroes, but not. And I don't think they're related. Like, I don't think there's been any connection yet between the two don't put it past marvel (laughs) yeah you know you never know avengers 4 they're just gonna tie it all together and you're gonna be like oh well then (laughs) i think martin freeman is one character we definitely don't need in an avengers movie but you know probably true (laughs) yeah yeah so with thor i think having these two 
extreme settings too helps with the pacing and everything like that because you know we're familiar with Asgard already but we're not familiar with this version of it because when we see Odin die and Hela is released and I know this is something that was probably a little confusing for both of us because I was like okay so clearly Odin dying is the reason why she's out now but I don't really understand why that had to be the case or you know why he couldn't put her somewhere where she couldn't get out regardless of him being alive or not <laughs> Thor is like Thor as a concept like of of cinematic of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that it's like a master of retconning and kind of making super simplistic um you know uh, reasons or justifying plot decisions based on like just just shooing things away and putting them to the side like think about in Avengers um when Thor intercepts Loki um right after he's been caught I think in like Germany or something like that um remember that so like it's the fight in the woods basically but Thor intercepts them and drags him off to the side and and uh I think someone like Loki's like oh man like the the like uh, father must have used a lot of magic to get you down here after the Bifrost broke and Thor's like yeah yeah he did definitely and you're like wait the whole point of the end of thor was that the bifrost was broken and that like thor could not come back to like the world again you know like and and they just like put it off to the side with some quick dialogue and that's kind of what happens in every thor movie i feel like they just take some like weird mystical um slash you know uh cosmic reasoning and, and kind of justify it and that's why like oh yeah like oh Hela was put away in some place and you know just some magic that Odin conjured when he died it just gone okay oh, so, so it, come, bring, bring the villain in come on come on like it's just it's really easy to just put things to the side in Thor because you can just blame it on magic or blame it on some weird cosmic like a pseudo-physical uh reason yeah speaking of magic what did you think of the Doctor Strange appearance in this you know I think that's another one where the physical comedy comes into play, especially for Thor and Loki, because Doctor Strange is kind of just moving everything around on Thor, and he's spilling his beer and refilling his beer, and he's just like, what is going on? Yeah, I think my, my first note for the Doctor Strange appearance was that he his goatee looked like it was glued on. <laughs> like, I don't know if he had to shave like after production on Doctor Strange and like or, or whatever, like, but it definitely looked he looked a little bit like like a rush job on this thing. Like he, him and Thor are like the two loudest looking characters. I feel like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, still like, I mean, you got Iron Man with this gaudy like you know costume on, and like you know all the costumes are a bit rig- ridiculous. But like nobody's really wearing capes. I think right. Like Vision, Vision has a cape, I guess. So, but like for some reason, like Thor and, and Doctor Strange just stick out like sore thumbs in their respective movies uh, amongst like the common folk. I think with Vision, it's a little different because he's not actually human. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense that he wouldn't fit in. (laughs) Yeah. But I thought it was sort of a good way to incorporate another one of the heroes without having to bring in someone like Iron Man or, you know, trying to squeeze in Black Widow to get through to the Hulk. And they technically did do that, but it was Mm. over the computer system in the Quinjet where you know you have the recording from the previous 
interaction with her and the Hulk when he's in the Quinjet and going away. Yeah, I couldn't tell if that was a reshoot or if that was um, like actual, actually the footage they used from Avengers 2. I, I couldn't remember. I, I'd have to compare them side by side, but it looked almost like a reshoot to me because her hair looked like a little bit less natural, like almost like it could have been a wig. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think... From what I was reading from the IMDb trivia, which is like my favorite thing to look at after any movie, is that um, Taika was he he knew that the like the sets were being uh, like torn down for Doctor Strange, like everything was being put away for Doctor Strange, and he's like, oh well, this is like our last chance. It was either him, the director for Doctor Strange, or Taika that decided like, oh, I want to incorporate Thor into the Doctor Strange or vice versa, put Doctor Strange into Thor. We only have a little bit of time, so let's just, you know, grab this footage while we can and squeeze it into whichever movie. And that's why the the stinger scene from Doctor Strange is pretty much like a shortened version of what we see in Thor Ragnarok, right? Yeah, I think so. It seemed like the refilling beer glass was a was a little bit different in, in Ragnarok than it was in the stinger scene. Again, haven't seen Doctor Strange since it came out. Yeah, I it took me a while to watch Doctor Strange. I didn't watch it until it was on Netflix at some point, and I'm still fuzzy on the details, even though I watched it way later. But I think because of the magical elements that you have with Thor already, Doctor Strange made the most sense to bring in, especially when you know they need to go find Odin just before he dies, pretty much. Right, yeah, miraculous timing on their part. <laughs> exactly. That was so not New York, though. You know, when they're standing on the corner, like they shot in Atlanta, I'm pretty sure, or I think it was Atlanta. Um, but uh, it's just like they show that big, you know, establishing shot of New York City, and then they're standing on a corner. You can clearly see they like they added like a matte background for some like skyscrapers, and and the, like the city buses are are not New York at all. As a New Yorker, I feel like I need to point that out. That was definitely not New York City. (laughs) Yeah, and these are things that sort of just stick in the back of our minds as we watch these movies because we know for a fact that most of the production happens in Atlanta. So it's like anything you see overhead of New York, you you know that's like a helicopter shot and they they're sort of just gathering them up probably as they film all of the movies so they don't have to like keep spending a ton of money on that at least that's what i would do because that makes sense but who knows i wish i was the smart person that like just bought like a a red camera and just went up on a helicopter rented it for a day and then just shot a bunch of great establishing shots for movies and then it's like those subscription services you have online for like backing tracks for your podcast or whatever or for you know like uh, stock photography like i want to be the getty images of new york establishing shots (laughs) just sell it to people be like, oh, yeah, this is the camera I used, and this is the settings that were on it, and you can use this in your movie for the low cost of $5 million. Like, <laughs> okay. All right, fine. It's cheaper than sending a crew. Yeah. Well, why don't we go ahead and dive into Hela a little more here, because she is the main villain, at least for Thor here. And, you know, you have the Grandmaster who could be seen as a villain but he's nothing compared to hello who is the goddess of death so he's you know, so he, likable yeah yeah he, he's villain. like too likable to really be considered that much of a villain but with hella she is just so ruthless no matter what the circumstances and you see when she goes into 
I don't do you call it a palace? I guess we'll call it a palace because I don't really know what else to call it. And you see all the paintings and everything on the ceiling and she shatters those and you see all of these hidden secrets on Asgard. Was that something you were expecting when you went into this movie? Did you know there were going to be that many secrets hidden there? No, and I don't think there I, I I definitely didn't think that when I was going into it. I I mean, politics are usually like the last thing on my mind when I go into it. And when they do drag it in, like I think of, for some reason, I think of like Transformers. I always do this, this <laughs> stuff. Like I, I drag in like other things that don't really have anything to do with it. But like Transformers, remember like the, the closing credit scenes during the first Transformers movies, it's like them talking about like the government, the parents, like um, Sam Wiki's parents talking about the government and how they wouldn't keep secrets from us and everything. And like, you're, you're taken aback for a second. You're like, oh wait, are we, okay, I guess America, you know, well, that's fine. Um, but like in, in this movie, um, I kind of took a political, like I, t- I took some political stuff from that just because uh, like, I think a lot of people mentioned the colonialism aspect of that, that like Asgard was like conquered by Odin or something like that with the aid of Hela. And you know, I think Taika coming from, you know, a land that was, uh, I think, a colony, right? New Zealand was a colony. I'm not a historian. <laughs> uh, but I think there there were probably some struggles uh, as it was a colony at one point. I, I think that's one aspect that Taika could, could really bring to this movie that a lot of other directors couldn't have. Yeah. And I think Kate Blanchett did a really nice job with her perf- her performance of the character because this character is not like a lot of the other villains that we see. Most of them want to destroy Earth. And because Thor is an off-world hero, it's kind of nice to get that break from someone wanting to destroy Earth. Because even when you have the Avengers, you know, Loki is involved in that particular scenario. And it's these off-world creatures coming to Earth. But to have her stay and just want Asgard. It's like, okay, I can get behind this storyline because this makes perfect sense for this villain that has been locked away for so many years. You know, Thor and Loki didn't even know they had a sister. At least that's what I gathered from all of this. No, they did not. That was another clever retcon uh, of Thor being like, oh, yes, you have a sister. Sure. Okay. I have a sister, you know? Um <laughs> Yeah, she. I mean, she was fantastic. Like she, she was menacing. She looked the part. She, I just love how powerful that she got to be. Like it was just really cool to see someone unfazed when she got stabbed through the middle. Like I think every other Marvel character just gets a, a dagger through their stomach and out the back, and they're 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 down for the count, you know. Um, but she took it like through the through the stomach, like probably two or three times in this movie from various characters, right. from Thor and from like little you know Asgardian soldiers, and she just like pulls it out and heals immediately. It's like it's very evident early on that nothing is going to stop her, and you know I really appreciated that. From what I gathered too, it seemed like she got stronger the longer she was on Asgard, basically. And, you know, at, right when we meet her, she just shatters Thor's hammer. And I think in that moment, you know, it, we have the same reaction that Thor does, like, oh, uh-oh, what, what's going on? This shouldn't be happening. What do we do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It was uh, it was nice that they, they called back to that towards the end when Thor kind of had that, like, that vision of, of meeting Odin in Norway again. And uh, he's like, you're not the god of hammers, you're the god of thunder, you know? Like, I, I, it was a nice reminder 
um, when they brought it back to that in the end. Because, like, the hammer does break, and as an audience and Thor, like you said, we're, we're both like, wow, that's that's crazy. And then, you know, Odin has to literally spell out what you just said at the end of it for the audience. Yeah, plus the fact that this is the first time we're seeing her, and she's not even at her strongest yet. So, you know, I don't even know what she has going on is she just like throws daggers that like grow out of her body i don't even know what's happening i was like what what is this and you know when she gets her headpiece on it's kind of like she takes her hands and goes to run them through her back through her hair and all of a sudden the headpiece shows up i was like this is crazy and yeah what a cool idea yeah and to have the villain be a powerful female character too i think was a really good choice because as Everyone who watches these Marvel movies knows it can be a dude fest a lot of the time. And to have oh, totally. this to have this female villain and then to have Valkyrie too. I didn't even know that the Valkyrie were a thing. And then, you know, they introduce Tessa Thompson on Sakar and at first she's this belligerent drunk kind of, and then you <laughs> see her transform into the character she used to be before this movie started which we don't really get to see too much of we get little glimpses here and there when you know loki goes into her mind and makes her remember but you know to have both of those female characters and even if hella dies at the end it's like it was very refreshing and they didn't sort of box them in like we've seen them do with other female characters in some of the movies yeah i don't think there was anything stereotypically female about her i think she was a really strong person uh or asgardian uh villain that you know is on on the same level as thanos i thought i i was actually thinking they would have made a, a great couple um and her being the mistress of death or whatever is or uh, goddess like of that death. like Goddess of death. Yeah. Like as the goddess of death, I mean, I think Thanos would be really into that because he is really into death. Yeah. Literally, there is a character named death that he just tries to impress all the time as, you know, that's more in the comics. I don't think they've really touched on that in Infinity War because that would have just been introducing yet another character. But yeah, that would have been hard to explain. (laughs) Yeah. I think people would have been like, um, okay, you guys do that. Wait, so death is a real person now? Like, okay, so like Thor is a god, but he's actually an alien. So death is an alien also? Is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah. That would have been a tough decision to make creatively. Hey, we still have uh, Avengers 4. You know, you never know. This is true. And they they have to do something because I'm sort of confused on that. But that's another podcast for another day. And, you know, why don't we go ahead and talk about Sakaar a little more? Because Thor and Loki both end up there after they sort of fall out of the Bifrost, I guess, because Hela chases after them. And Loki gets there weeks before Thor. And they only fell out of the Bifrost, like, I don't know, what, 30 seconds apart, if that? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting relativity stuff going on there i was just like what is time i don't even know anymore (laughs) it's light speed you know (laughs) i don't get it yeah but it was just one of those things where you you sort of just let that go and then you know that loki has been scheming the entire time he's been there and he practically ignores 
the fact that he knows Thor and is his brother. And it's sort of one of those comedic moments where, you know, they're whispering to each other in front of the Grandmaster. And then, you know, he's like, oh, I'm adopted or something like that. (laughs) So he just kind of like pushes it to the side and just moves on. But in the end, you know, Loki ultimately does do the right thing. And I know you have some things to say on Loki here. Oh, yeah. Um, where's my Loki stuff? Well, I mean, like, it was mostly just, like, Loki again. There he is. Like, enough with the Loki. That's, how, that's like, he's just, like, he's such a fan favorite that I understand that he has to be in every Thor movie and has to consistently just be dying and coming back to life. Um, but, like, I, I just thought it was so good that they, they were, the movie was very self-aware about this and, you know, throwing stones at him as he was, you know, apparating and and the stones going through him and you know calling that joke back later just to make sure he's real get him actually getting hit in the head with a can and of course like the like he's like i'm not a witch and he's like then why do you dress like a witch you know it's it's he does he's dressed in a black suit with like this super super pale skin and like long like greasy black hair like yeah he's dressed like a witch um so like i'm I'm not a huge loki fan but this is definitely my favorite appearance by him in this one (laughs) Yeah, I think it helps, too, that you have sort of this relationship between Thor and Loki where they went their separate ways so long ago, and they both understand that. Like, you have that scene with them in the elevator just before the get help scene and everything like that, and Thor tells him, I thought the world of you. And you can sort of just see something change on Loki's face in that moment. And even if it's only a split second, you're like, okay, you know, even though they are drastically different people, that moment makes it feel like you know that Loki is going to come through for Thor. Yeah, I mean, they did a lot of coloring in the backstory of these two. And like, they're all like verbal exposition pieces, you know, like talking about the snake thing. Um and stabbing Thor, like Loki making a snake and then scaring Thor and then stabbing him and then like turning him into a frog or something like that. That was another thing they talked about. Um, and I feel like the, we got more about their relationship from those interactions than than we did in like Thor 1. Maybe it's just been too long since I've seen Thor 1, but like, you know, like I, I, I felt like I understood the way they were telling those stories. I felt in, in Ragnarok, I felt more for their brotherhood or adopted brotherhood or whatever you want to call it than than in the past two movies. Yeah, I think they did a very nice job making it so that if this was the only Thor movie you had seen, you'd really understand both of those characters as brothers, despite not having seen the first two Thor movies, or I I don't know who would have watched this who hadn't seen the Avengers, but maybe there were some people. So it they did a nice job with, like you said, filling in those blanks. But on Sakaar too, that's where we see Valkyrie the most, and I want to talk about her because she has sort of fostered this relationship with the Hulk. And, you know, they play on that later when he turns back into Banner and they're both kind of like, I feel like I know you. And it's just a nice moment. And then, you know, you see later Banner jumps out of the plane and he crashes onto the bridge without having turned into the Hulk just yet. So it's like another one of those physical comedy moments where you're like, oh, that had to have hurt. Yeah, I'm surprised that he lived through that. Yeah, and then shortly after, the Hulk takes over and you're like, okay, you were a little late to the party, buddy. Yeah, and I think, like you said, Tessa in that instance, like the whole I know you, I think I know you thing, like that, that relationship really... 
their like Banner and Tessa or Banner and Valkyrie's relationship, I felt like was a great foil to Thor and uh, Valkyrie's relationship. Like it got Valkyrie to open up. Like she's just like a hard ass, you know, like super powered, uh, you know, drunk, like you said. And she's she's playing that so hard up until she comes in to Thor's. I'm sorry, to Hulk's room. Um, so when you start seeing her like having the play fights with, with Hulk and, you know, uh, and then when she meets Banner again and she's like, she makes those faces. Do you remember the faces she's making in those parts? Like when she's like, Oh, I think I know you too. She's like, weird, right? Like she makes, and he like, she breaks character, but like in a good way to see, like it gives her like a, it makes her three dimensional, I guess, you know, cause she's very very one-sided until she sees Banner for the first time. And then when you mentioned a second ago, when, when uh, Banner transforms into the Hulk, it cuts back to her on the yacht. And she's just like, she makes that weird, like, ha face. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like I thought that was so good that she did that. And, and they, they cut back to her. It just like, I know she's not a human per se, but like it definitely humanized her. It made her easier to like, because before up until that, you're just like, Oh, come on, give Thor a chance. Come on. And she won't do it. Um, and as 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 much as Thor admires her and is like you know bowing at her feet, you know he's in awe of her, but she still gives him nothing. And then finally, you start seeing her be more likable and 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 happy and and stuff like that. And it was it was just cool, like to to that they made her a, like a full person instead of just this one thing. Yeah, I really liked that she didn't budge when he first mentioned Asgard and you are sort of expecting it to just be this simple thing and she just gives in but she doesn't and I really like that about her character because she is so strong-willed and you know we do find out that she went through this horribly traumatic experience too so they really do a nice job of having her character progress to where she remembers the love that she had for Asgard and she ultimately goes and helps save all of the people oh yeah I mean talk about that because I mean on the one hand like there's you you could just make her like a really mean character you know like and and that's it but they gave her a reason to be mean like you see after what she went through on Asgard like she's totally validated in having that stance towards that place it was just a terrible terrible thing that happened to her and her comrades and I don't know. I just, um, yeah, I can't stop gushing about <laughs> about like the writing in this movie. You know, I just think it was fantastic how they, they took the time with every character. Yeah, this movie really made it feel like, okay, this is the Thor we want to see. And this is the Hulk we want to see, too. Because even though, you know, he was Hulk for two years and you sort of see everything coming back to Banner once he you know changes into tony's clothes and everything and he's still you know like he's tugging at tony's jeans and he's like these are too tight tony wears his jeans too tight and you know he doesn't completely forget who he is as banner so i think that helps too because in the end you know he makes the comment that if he turns back into the hulk again he might not be able to get banner back but he still jumps out of that plane anyway or ship, whatever. <laughs> it's a yeah, a ship, ship, yacht, plane. It's all the same. <laughs> yeah, no, he 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 lost two years as the Hulk. You know that means he he might lose another two years of off his life. I don't know how he ages while he's the Hulk. You know, like thirty years go by. Is he going to be sixty year old Banner when he comes out? But like, yeah, I mean, that's like a just not an appealing thing to lose so much time. I mean, 
it's it's like sort of hearkening. I think they do this in the comics a fair bit. Like they they hearken to like an alcoholic or something like that. You know, like when he's losing time in this way and doing and like essentially just black out the whole time. And uh, you can see why it would be unappealing to a human like that. What, what the only kind of shortcoming I thought, which is probably not actually a shortcoming of the writing in this one, is that they I felt like they did have to restrain the banner arc a little bit do you know what i mean like yeah like like there were there were aspects of his character that they could have gone into further that they like i was waiting for the uh predictable plot line of banner seeing the festival like uh celebrating because you you have that weird like uh throwaway line by the grandmaster it's like oh everybody their champion's missing ever so everybody go out there and celebrate him and you're like okay why are they doing that um okay and then they start having parades and like shooting off the green powder and wearing hulk masks around and i expected hulk to do like a planet hulk thing and to see like oh they love me here like i why would i ever leave this place and i expected him to put up more of a fight towards thor in leaving um, but yeah, and they definitely did not, uh, chase that down. And also the conflict, like, like you said, there was, there's a conflict in terms of like, am I going to go be the Hulk again and lose time? It didn't seem like such a hard decision in that moment. Like he knew the right thing to do was to become the Hulk and there was no struggle with it. Like he just jumped out of that thing and, you know, we don't know what was going on in his mind, but we can guess it was heavy, but they didn't dwell on it, I guess. Yeah, they showed him thinking about what he had to do. And then, you know, he kind of gives Valkyrie this funny look and <laughs> he just jumps out of the plane with no real ex- explanation. And that's why we get that cut back to her after he turns into the Hulk. And I think that's what makes that moment work so well, too, is how he reacts to needing to become the Hulk again before jumping out of the ship. And then her reaction after realizing, oh, that's who that was. <laughs> yeah. God, I can't get that look out of my, my head. Yeah, it was definitely a really great moment in the movie. But what other things do you want to touch on here? I feel like we've talked for quite a while already, but we've only like made a dent. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's, there's a lot to look into here. Um, I guess I, I think... Another criticism of this movie that I wanted to talk about is the, the the comedy aspect of it, which, you know, like, I think it's love it or you hate it. I don't really know if there's any in between here. Um, but I, 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 I kind of want to talk about the idea of, of, like, you know, this is like English 101 or whatever, like college course, but like the, the idea of bathos, I guess, um, which is this element of literature where you undercut any drum dramatic tension with this element of humor like anticlimax i guess is the better word for it and that's what this movie is built on and i think if you look at like a movie like star wars last jedi um there's a lot of that in there too and i don't know how did you feel about about like the comedy in this movie i think here it worked really well just because of the circumstances too because Hela was still very threatening and those moments were still very serious when she was literally wiping out an entire army and then trying to stop the people from leaving and bringing up all her zombie army or whatever you want to call it. I'm not entirely sure if they have a different term for it, but I'm going to call them a zombie army. And I think, you know, it had enough serious moments like that in it to where when you're on Sakaar, 
that place felt perfect for the comedy aspect. And that's where I think we get a lot more of that because that's where you have Thor throwing stuff at Loki to see if he's real. And then he hits him in the head when he is, you know, sitting there and he's not, you know, somewhere else really. And then you have him, you know, tossing Loki into the guards. You have him saying that he's friends with the Hulk when he first sees who he's battling against. And even during the battle, you have these very serious moments because you see Thor just taking in all of his new, I guess, thunderous power, so to speak. And you do have enough of the serious moments mixed in to where, you know, it it makes sense to have the amount of comedy that they put in, I think. And I think it helped us like these characters more because I don't know if Thor and Hulk were necessarily anyone's favorite character out of the Avengers in you no, know, the first yeah, movie I, yeah, or even yeah, the second totally. one. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Thor was just too like eye rolling, long haired, you know, point breaky, you know, like he was just too like he was like the antithesis to Robert Downey Jr. in the first Avengers movie. He was right. like all about honor and and you know speaking with a British accent and all that stuff. And and I yeah, I think they just totally turned him around. They were like, okay, we need we know what works for a Marvel movie now. We know comedy works. Um so let's let's just saturate this thing as much as possible. And some people complain about that saying like, I mean, think about the first scene in the movie, you know, like it's Thor in a cage and he falls out of it. And, you know, and I think right off the bat, like you could talk about the skeleton, like talking to a skeleton thing. I wouldn't call it anticlimax, but like when Sartre is giving his, um, his speech about Ragnarok and it just cuts back to Thor and he's like spinning around. He's like, oh, wait, 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 hold on. Yeah. Like, like that, that's the definition of anticlimax. And, there's some people that are just like, that's stupid. Like I really wanted to hear Sardar's thing and I wanted to hear a speech and they just totally undercut that moment. And it's like, I feel like it's just going right over their heads, but I, I don't know if that's just me being a goofy idiot. Like it's probably a little both, but like, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I, I really enjoy the com- comedic aspects of it. And I like those little like things in the middle of it. Like it's not like a, there's a fart joke in the middle of like a romantic scene, you know, like it's not that bad. It's it's like all the jokes are well placed and well timed, you know. It, it works, and I I don't get the people that don't like it, but I just thought it was worth remarking on. Yeah, that first scene too. It definitely sets the tone for the level of comedy to expect throughout the rest of the movie, and I think it was a very good idea to put that right up front there too, because it's like, oh, for okay, sure. here's what you're getting into, and we're just letting you know right now, so you can bail if you want to. Yeah, they they give you a really quick opportunity to just walk out of the theater if that's not what you're into. <laughs> yeah, they don't try to suck you in. And because the second Thor movie is literally titled The Dark World, you know, this definitely takes the character in a much different direction. And I think this works better because this is kind of just what Marvel is good at at this point. They definitely want to make these movies family friendly, too. And they definitely do that in this one. And I think, you know, maybe the most inappropriate moment is when Hulk gets up out of the hot tub and does not bother getting dressed when he walks to the window. That's in my brain. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, that, that's, yeah, (laughs) it's a good moment. It's a good moment. 
it's like it, it's also I think it also brings the bond between Hulk and, and uh, Thor closer because how many other Avengers have seen each other naked? You know, not many, not many. <laughs> and like, granted, Thor wasn't naked, but like, you know, now him and Hulk have that thing. I, here's the thing: this banner. Remember that though. I don't think he does. I think Hulk knows that they have that connection now, but Banner may not remember that. Yeah, probably not because of the fact that he's lost two years. You, and when he turns back into Banner, he's like, where am I? He doesn't even know where he is or what's going on. He has no idea about anything. And his brain just starts like firing. And even he's like, okay, wow, there's a lot happening in my brain right now. Mm. <laughs> I think one of the other things to talk about is the revolution. You mentioned it a little earlier on. And I think their escape from Sakaar was really well done too and of course they have to leave through what is it the devil's anus they call it <laughs> yeah yeah whose anus yeah it was great uh, I think it's nice because you see it in the beginning too before they they give it a name because like I remember the first time I watched this movie um I I just they, they the devil's anus and then they pan to it or cut to it and it's just like oh yeah that, that I get it now but they show you the devil's anus when he gets to Sakar and you're like oh this is okay I recognize the devil's anus now in the background of this shot it was uh it was nice it was a it was a good like escape kind of like MacGuffin in this scene where there's like oh we got to get to the devil's anus and they have that chase scene in the the, the everything Ugh. I just, I can't I love this movie. It's great. Yeah, I want to backtrack here a little bit because when oh, sure. Hella goes down to, you know, Odin's treasures basically, we see her just knock over this fake infinity gauntlet, and I think that is probably one of the biggest easter eggs we get as far as going into Avengers Infinity War goes, and it's just one of those moments where she's just so nonchalant about it. She's like, this is fake, and just knocks it over and kind of just goes on her way, and it's like, wait, are we sure that's fake, <laughs> you know? Well, that that's what I'm saying, though. That, that's, the, that's why Thor is the master of, of retconning, because that's what they... they fans were like oh man like they showed the infinity gauntlet in thor one so like so what's 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 uh thanos using in those end uh, those stinger scenes of avengers 2 and everything oh my gosh and and they're like okay we gotta take care of this like what can we do just have her knock over it and call it fake <laughs> and we'll be done with it and then then everyone will know that the thor one thing was fake and that's it it's like okay well odin really didn't know that like yeah okay fine okay thor i guess like that's 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 how i feel about most retcons in this movie like just killing killing odin like oh okay odin has to be gone from this movie again like the past three movies or the past two thors have been have been all about getting thor out of the i mean sorry getting odin out of the picture um that that's like what he like if odin because odin's supposed to be so powerful he's he's like the he's like the 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 he's Thor's dad, you know, he's, he's there's a reason why they call him the king, and he just keeps getting taken out of the picture really quickly, either like incapacitated or put on another planet or whatever, put into Odin sleep, and um, yeah, it just it it's it's just like we got like the movie like the plot demands it, so take him out of the picture. The plot demands that of Infinity War demands that like Thanos has a real glove that was manufactured uh, in the heart of a star or whatever by um, what's it Peter Dinklage and yeah, like that's it, you know. That one's got to be a fake then that we showed earlier. Um, I like how 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 brazen they are about retconning it though. Like yeah, they didn't have to. They didn't need to go into a long exposition in, in Infinity War being like, oh, but what about the one in the in the vault? It's like no, literally a three second scene like less than three seconds scene in Ragnarok took care of that. Thank you very much. 
Yeah, and you mentioned them trying to get Odin out of the picture. You know, at the beginning of the movie, we see Loki impersonating him, and that gives us, you know, the Matt Damon, the Matt Damon cameo. So not just a Matt Damon cameo. Did you pick up the other people in that scene? I know one was one of the other Hemsworth brothers. Yeah, the, the guy who's playing Thor. They, yeah. that was so sweet that they did that. Um, I think Luke, and then yeah, and then Odin was uh, Sam Neill. I didn't realize that at first until I looked at the cast list. Yeah, so they do this nice job of getting these actors, these very quick cameos in, and it's just one of those moments where it's such a Loki moment, too, and Thor knows right away, pretty much, that it is most certainly not his father. Yeah, and I think that's all to Anthony Hopkins' credit. Like, that dude, they're like, okay, channel channel this character from this movie that you were in a couple times, you know, channel, channel Loki, you know. And he just does it. He does it really well. And you can totally tell, like, when he does, when he's Odin again on, in Norway, you know, Anthony Hopkins is giving those really, like, important speeches and, and very heartfelt things saying to, to his son. And then when he's Loki, he's just, like, kind of giggling, lying back, eating some grapes. And, and I just think, you know, I mean, we, we know Anthony Hopkins is a great actor. Um, but it's just, this was an Anthony Hopkins that you don't get to see, like, a goofy one. It's like Al Pacino in that Adam Sandler movie. Like, why is Al Pacino being goofy <laughs> and stupid about like Dunkin' Donuts or whatever? Yeah, exactly. I think one of the last things I want to bring up, or last two things that I want to bring up before we possibly dive into more Infinity War talk here, is the fact that one Thor tries to calm the Hulk down using like the little lullaby that Black Widow does, and it totally backfires on him. And then once he turns back into Banner, he just keeps like repeating it over and over and over again. And Banner's like, what are you doing? Yeah, you feel like it's more for Thor's benefit at that point than than for Banner's benefit. Yeah. And then we have the moment too where Thor loses his eye. And it's something they kind of just very quickly do you know it's like hella just takes out the eye and it's like oh oh all right there went that (laughs) yeah yeah uh that was kind of yeah that was gross but uh it's all good i mean i feel like they they couldn't get too visceral with it It, honestly it didn't look like anything it looked like he just got like some stuff on his face and they kind of just cg'd out his his eye socket i guess not like gory detail but like just it honestly just like a like a matte black wall on his eye yeah, you could kind of tell that his eye was just closed and they like put makeup over it, but I yeah. was I was fine with that. I was like, it's kind of hard to make it look like you don't have an eye when you do. Also in a movie for for children, arguably a movie for children, they probably don't want to have that much viscera. Yeah. So, is there anything else you want to touch on before we sort of go into the ending here that takes us into Infinity War? Yes, there is. Okay. It's um so it's it's something that probably I don't think a lot of people would have noticed this one. It's it's um this was the first movie that Lou Ferrigno didn't do the voice of the Hulk in. Okay. Do you, um so like Lou Ferrigno, you know like the I think it's like the 80s Hulk, um like the 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 one where it's just like a man in a suit. Um he's he's a bodybuilder um and he's been doing all the Hulk voices I think in every single Hulk movie. I mean all all two of them before this, but also the Avengers movie. I think they blended Ruffalo and Lou Ferrigno in some points. This one was the first one where it was like all Ruffalo. Okay. And I it, like I encourage anybody to go back and watch some of the Hulk scenes in Ragnarok again, but I felt like the the so they did a pitch shift on his voice, but they also had this weird auto-tune on there. Um, if you're familiar with like T-Pain or whatever, you know, like listen, listen to, 
to Hulk's dialogue in some of those scenes, just like YouTube a clip or something of that in his like quarters or whatever, you know, while he's on Sakaar. Um, I, I just felt like it was the weirdest, like, I felt like it was sort of offensive how, how bad the audio was on his voice. And it was just like, you can hear the auto tune kicking in and like, you know, the way auto tune works, it just like kind of takes whatever note your voice is on and, and, and bends the whole thing and, and segments it. So you can hear this like hinge essentially in the voice when it changes tone or whatever. And I don't know, again, like nobody else remarked on it that I saw, but, but it was really weird that they couldn't just like shift his voice down and make it kind of gruff or like even just hire a voice actor if it's not working. But yeah, that was just one of the, the, the things I wanted to remark on. Um, they got some weird stuff going on with like some of the, like the, the Hulk stuff. Like, I mean, we're going to jump into infinity war, I guess, but like, do you remember the last shot of infinity war spoilers for infinity war, I guess, <laughs> or like one of the last shots of infinity war Yeah, with all the Avengers and like Mark Ruffalo just in the Hulk buster suit just kind of like chilling there and it looked like he was just like oddly green screened into that obviously he was it was a cg thing but like it's just a, it was just a weird like half-assed thing that happened at the end of the movie that i like they could have made that look a little bit better i don't know maybe i'm just being picky now i totally know what you mean with his voice though because when i was watching the movie again i was like something sounds different and i couldn't quite place it because i hadn't looked on the imdb page or anything like that and i hadn't put too much thought into it so when you had that in your notes i was like oh that makes sense that's why everything was different yeah i mean like they i think they took his i mean they probably adr'd it i guess but um they they i think that a lot of the dialogue was like having ruffalo stand in and, and deliver that stuff you know like the like, did you notice the when he talks about like Hulk, like raging fire, Hulk, like uh, Thor, like, yeah, like smoldering yeah. <laughs> fire, and like and and Chris Helmsworth like laughs afterwards. Like, I feel like they kept. There's like one other break in the movie that they kept in because they just thought it made sense with the characters. But like he, like Thor laughs out of like visibly smiles or something, and. I thought it was so weird that they kept that in because it looks like a blooper that happens, but like there's a giant CG character in the blooper, so you know they had to put effort into keeping this into the movie. Like, I forget what the other break was where somebody just starts laughing. I think it was it was Loki at one point. I think I, I can't remember, um, but it was there. And yeah, I just I just like that this is the type of movie where you can like an actor can break and it can still work in the film. Yeah, and it wasn't something that took me out of the movie either with his voice being different because I was so focused on so many other things in the movie too. Yeah, maybe I I, I know I'm just being picky on that one, but seriously, like the, the you can hear it auto-tune. It sounds like T-Pain. <laughs> it sounds like a like a lower T-Pain. I wonder if it makes a big difference seeing it in the theater versus watching it on like speakers at home because you know, I just rewatched this on Netflix the other day and I had seen it in theaters when it came out but I honestly don't remember what it sounded like in theaters <laughs> yeah I, I I've only seen it twice on digital like on my home my home stereo so who knows maybe just my crappy speakers <laughs> well let's go ahead and talk about how the ending leads us right into infinity war basically everyone is on the ship now they're able to get most of the people to safety there were obviously some casualties and you have this moment where they're just out in space and asgard has already been destroyed and 
this ginormous ship. I mean, it is like the size of a planet practically just comes into their view. You see everything get dark and then you pan out to the shot and you're like, "Uh oh, this doesn't look good. (laughs) Yeah, especially coming off that like you could like arguably what you could call a victory for the Asgardians, you know, like they, they got away safe. They took out Gila. They, you know, their, their planet is in ruins, but, or it's like, it's spaced us now, but you know, they did it. And then that happens. And then like the Thanos shows up at the closing credits. Like it's weird. Cause it's, it's a stinger scene technically, right? It's in, it's a mid credits stinger. So it's like happening. And, and you're, you're not really sure how to feel about it when it happens in Ragnarok. You're like, oh, this big thing is showing up. I bet that's Thanos. Who knows what's going to happen? Shrug. And then Infinity War, the opening scene, like the the over the production, you know, uh, logos, you hearing like the radio calls, the distress calls from that. And you find out that half the Asgardians or all of them, I don't really know at this point, just get massacred. And that to me it was like such a a bummer when that movie starts yeah i do like how they just made it a direct continuation though because then you're like okay if you've watched all of the movies up until this point you know exactly where it's picking up from yeah i think anybody who hadn't seen ragnarok is probably um not gonna be up to speed (laughs) that one well they missed out (laughs) Well, that's how I was when I saw Avengers 1. When I saw Avengers 1, I hadn't seen Thor. Um, So I had no idea who Loki was, really. Um, I didn't know what the Tesseract was. I didn't know why the Tesseract was on Earth. Um, So, yeah, I I, I understand the feeling of coming into a movie and not really knowing who who is what. But, I mean, they they definitely envelop you really quickly with with all the the MCU. You know, you're, you're pretty welcome right off the bat if you can make it through the first scene. Yeah, so how did you feel about the losses from Thor's world that happen in the beginning of Infinity War? Because we actually didn't talk about Heimdall at all, but he does have a fairly important role of protecting the people of Asgard before, you know, Hela comes and tries to ruin everything. So he has this role that's been different in the past movies. Usually he's just sort of over at the Bifrost and we see that someone else is there in this movie. And then, you know, he obviously, you know, spoilers. I would hope most people have seen Infinity War by the time this comes out. But just in case, you know, I'll put a spoiler warning for this portion of the show. And, you know, at the beginning, we see Heimdall and Loki both die at the hands of Thanos. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I mean... It makes me think of this is my like literally my favorite thing to do with you. I think is to just make like like stupid movie references to <laughs> talk about what we're talking about. But like um, aliens, you ever seen the Alien Saga at all? I have not. I'm really bad at watching movies oh, for the most part. Okay, <laughs> then you know what? I'm gonna stay away from this because I don't want to spoil those movies for you. Um, but anyway, anyone who's seen Aliens Two and Aliens Three will know what I'm talking about, um, and I won't say anything after that. But yeah, um, yeah, it sucks that they that they got rid of those two characters right off the bat, and I don't know if they're going to come back. You know, like I think with Infinity War, when you see you know the snap and what happens as a result of that snap, that we can assume that Black Panther will be back for a sequel. We can assume Spider Man will be back for Homecoming, which is currently in production. Um, Homecoming two, I guess. Uh, and so like, but I don't know if Loki is really gone for good this time, uh, or if Heimdall is coming back. 
I feel like Loki has cheated death too many times for this one to not stick because when I did the Infinity War episode, you know, we talked about what deaths would possibly be permanent versus the ones, like you said, Black Panther and Spider-Man, who we know are coming back. But, you know, with Heimdall, Loki, and even Gamora, you have these three characters that they're not the most important people necessarily. You could argue that Gamora is more important to Guardians than, you know, Heimdall is in Thor. But it's one of those things where those three characters aren't as major as the rest of the Avengers, basically. So they're a little more expendable in that sense than characters like Spider-Man and Black Panther because those characters made them a lot of money and Black Panther more so than Spider-Man. But everyone that I have talked to about the Spider-Man movie seems to really like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. So it's one of those things where you sort of have to pick and choose these characters whose deaths will impact the fans in a big way but you're not giving up these big characters to do so. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a bummer for me, though, that like that characters become expendable in that sense. Right. Um, well, because think about um, in Ragnarok, when those dudes, when, uh, when Hela comes over from the Bifrost and just wipes out Thor's friends right at the, at the entrance, I guess, and spares uh, Scourge but takes out the other two. Like those are just like Thor's friends from the past two movies. Right. And now they're just dead. Sif is also, I think gone at this point or she, I I don't know what her story is. She's in blind spot now. It's fine. (laughs) What's, Oh yeah. The show. I was like, wait, blind spot. Was that an MCU planet? Is that like his dimension? No, I didn't. It's just the show. The actress is in. (laughs) Yeah. That's why she wasn't in Ragnarok is because she was filming that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like I don't know what happened to her character. Did Hela get her? Did she get taken by Thanos? Is like, I don't know. I, I can't imagine that whatever they do, however they undo the snap in Infinity, in, in, in whatever Avengers Four is going to be called. Um, I just don't. I can't imagine they're not going to bring back those characters. Like, they like Tom Hiddleston is like a fan favorite. Yeah. And it's important to let things that people love go, you know, like it's important in Star Wars, you know, to let uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi die, you know, like we didn't have a lot of chance to love him. But like, you know, if you look at him in the greater context of the picture, you know, like these characters can live on through the force and (laughs) maybe maybe Loki will live on through the force, too. Maybe since Disney owns Star Wars as well, we're just going to they're going to become force ghosts and we'll incorporate that into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. (laughs) That would make things even crazier than they already are. I think, you know, personally, I might be a little disappointed if we get to Avengers 4 and there's no consequences from Infinity War whatsoever, because I feel like that's been a fault of quite a few of the MCU movies. You have these moments where they can take out these characters that fans love if they really wanted to. And, you know, like I said, we've seen Loki cheat death already on more than one occasion so it's one of those things where yes as a fan I would be sad if certain characters stayed dead but I feel like without consequences to any of these actions it's like what is changing their minds on how they go about things yeah Uh, it's uh the consequences thing yeah it's gonna be disappointing if if they just undo it and I think that's what most jaded superhero fans are kind of 
like there, there are people, my group of friends that are really, 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 really hating superhero movies. And like the, the, the superhero to fatigue is, is set in on them fully. Right. And you know, like they see infinity war and they're like, they're like, Oh, whatever. They're just going to undo it. And like, who cares? Like they're not actually dead. And you know, like they're, they're not wrong. They're definitely jaded and definitely, you know, overly invested in, in, in their anger. But, um, but yeah, I do think that they sort of have a point in terms of like, like, I don't think the best screenwriters in Hollywood are going to just simply just like wave a magic wand and make it undo, you know, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, it certainly, certainly uh, makes uh, someone who's a fan of, of this MCU like kind of nervous. Yeah, and with Infinity War 2, we do find out what eventually happens with Banner and the Hulk. So it sort of has the opposite effect that Thor Ragnarok had on him, which I found a very interesting use of the character because I think that's the most Banner we've ever had in one of the Avengers movies. Yeah, yeah, that was weird also, is that, again, like, it's a... Maybe it's maybe it's not a Thor thing. Maybe it's an overall MCU thing or just a movie thing in general, like a long like a standing franchise thing where you just have to retcon something like Thor and, and, and Banner are talking and he's like, I might not come back from the Hulk this time. And like, he clearly does come back from being the Hulk this time. Like he may stay it for a while, but he crash lands on in Dr. Strange's house and, um, you know, he's Banner again. Right. So <sighs> any, any crisis from the previous movie, much like the Bifrost being destroyed at the end of Thor one has been, you know, uh, just fixed. You know, like, it's like, oh, crisis mode is over. Don't worry. Like, he's not stuck as the Hulk forever. And uh, we got him. But now he's maybe stuck as Banner forever. Although, based on concept art for Infinity War 2 or Avengers 4, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) You know, who knows? So many options of what to call these movies. Sometimes I'm like, okay, do I call it Spider-Man Homecoming 2, Spider-Man sequel, Avengers 4, Avengers infinity war 2 like what's going on here yeah because spider-man homecoming like before knowing anything about the movie i i was like really that's what they're calling it and so i mean whatever they're calling it now the spider-man 2 homecoming 2 that's what i'm going with on the spider-man website that i've been running i'll like put spider-man homecoming 2 in the title and then i'll just like interchange it with sequel throughout the post because i'm like ah that's too that's too long to type yeah, you got to figure out, I guess, what it is. I heard, I saw some rumor. Oh, the field about, trip rumor? Um, no, um, somebody being cast as Mysterio. Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, is that is that like a fact or? I just I know. know the the announcement I saw said that he was in talks to be Mysterio, so I don't think it's one hundred percent been confirmed. But it's like it seems like they're definitely going in that direction with the character. And then there were plot details on Reddit that said that the title was going to be Spider-Man Field Trip, which, I mean, I, that, that, I would, love it. that would be in line I with Homecoming. It. And I don't know if this counts as spoilers. I'm sorry to everyone, but it's like a, a rumor on the internet. I don't know if I count rumors as spoilers because I don't know if they're real or not. <laughs> no, until they're, until they're confirmed, I feel like you can't. I mean, it depends, I guess, you know, like if you, if you have like a set photo that indicates that somebody's going to die or something and you, you talk about that, yeah. that might be considered a spoiler. But I guess that makes sense if this is if this Tom Holland, you know, trilogy or however many movies he gets is going to be like strictly focused on 
high school Spider-Man, then yeah, I guess we're going to be calling these things like, I assume that the third installment will be called Spider-Man Graduation and they'll play the vitamin C song during <laughs> part of it, um, which I would love. But yeah, no, like Spider-Man Field Trip would be a good one and he, maybe he'll just go to some other dimension or something like that and we'll start getting more off-world Spider-Man stuff, which we definitely get a good hand in that. That was insane. Um, you know, like to set up like Homecoming as the movie about like, oh, well, we're making a movie about Spider-Man taking small time villain down, you know, like doesn't exceed the reach of New York City. It's not galactic. This is not world ending. This is just Spider-Man taking down little guys. And then one movie later, the dude is in outer space on another planet fighting <laughs> the greatest threat the galaxy has ever known. That to me is like the funniest thing that again, you know, just like any, like all, all bets are off with MCU, you know? Yeah, and Tony tries to send him home, which obviously fails miserably. I I thought he was going to check out of the movie from that point. Um, I thought he was going back to Earth. I didn't know where the movie was going, I guess. Um, I didn't know they were going to, uh, what's it called, Titan. Um, so I didn't really know. I, I assumed that Spider-Man was going to get sent back to Earth. I was like, nah, that's a wrap on Spider-Man for this movie. See you later. And like the Doctor Strange scene would have been a deleted thing or something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, it was good. <laughs> yeah, I think they're doing a really nice job keeping things close to the vest for both Avengers 4 and the Spider-Man sequel, because even though the latter is more Sony related, there's been talk about like, okay, is the Spider-Man marketing going to ruin Avengers 4 for people? And, you know, in my opinion, I don't think so, because it's like, you know, Spider-Man's coming back. This movie was announced before anyone even saw Infinity War. Yeah, I think the the exciting part of Avengers 4 for me is really... How they'll undo it, yeah. Yeah, how are they going to get out of it? Not if they're going to get out of it. Because like, that's what comic books are, really. It's just a mess of your favorite character dying or being possessed. Or we talked about this last time of just like, you know, Spider-Man has gone through so many issues. He stopped being Spider-Man for a while. Ben Riley takes over and then Doc Ock takes over and then they just got rid of his marriage to Mary Jane, you know, without much warning. He revealed his identity to the public. So now he's every like it's just there's just so much that gets flipped on its head constantly in comic books. And I would I would say like most of the time the comic book disappoints me. But from a mainstream it's like. From a mainstream movie, you expect more, and that's what I'm excited to find out is how they undo it, you know, how they tie it all together, how they resolve it, like what Thanos becomes. Um, I don't know. It's it's it's, uh, it's all exciting to me, and I look forward to it a lot more than I look forward to pretty much any movie that gets released. Like, it's it feels stupid to say, and maybe it is stupid to say for me, but, like, uh, I, it's it's probably, like, the most enthusiastic I get about going to the movies every year is when... <laughs> you know, like a, a good movie comes out <laughs> that is for, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, well, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp coming up next, so... Oh, man, if she blows... If the if the Wasp blows away in the wind at the end of the entire movie, if they, like, it's just closing credits and, you know, Stinger scene, like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> uh, and she just fades away. I'm going to be so disappointed. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen because that seems like a really bad thing to do to that character. <laughs> Oh, it's just too predictable, you know. Yeah. At this point, they, they've got to edit that scene out of the movie if they've already done it. They, they're, <laughs> they're not going to let they're not going to let something that predictable happen. Yeah, exactly. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on to talk about Thor Ragnarok and more here at the end. I will definitely keep you in mind for some future Marvel episodes. I know 
I haven't talked about Spider-Man Homecoming yet. I'm going to have to check with someone, see if they still want to talk about that. <laughs> because, you know, sometimes, you know, people will claim topics and then they never happen. So we'll, we'll see what Marvel movies we can find for you. <laughs> I will be your go-to pinch hitter on any movie that you ever want to talk about. Marvel or not. I'll talk about DC. I don't know anything about DC. I'll come in and talk about that. <laughs> Whatever. It's all good. Well, I will definitely keep you in mind for all of those things. And again, thank you for coming on. And to our listeners, as always, thank you all for listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.